<laughs> no, that's great. Um, good morning. Uh, the Lord be with you. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andy, um, and uh, I'm part of the College of Preachers here at the table, and through this Easter season, we're all trading turns, preaching good news of Easter and the resurrection of, uh, of Jesus, and including what that means for us today, uh, over 2,000 years later. So I'm excited about today uh, because we get to remember who we are, okay? So join me in prayer. Uh, Father, uh, I thank you for a gathering place to hear good news for, from you. Thank you for your presence with us today. Allow our hearts to avail themselves to you. Grant us the grace to see your goodness today. Thank you for inviting us into your family and into a new way to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture focus uh, today, um, and Krista read, read it, um, is an excerpt from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 22. It says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Friends, today we proclaim good news that when we are tempted by old ways of living, Jesus invites us into a new identity and a new way of loving. We proclaim this good news today that when we are tempted by traditions or old ways of thinking, that today, right now, Jesus invites us into a new identity and a new way of loving. Um, if, if you have spent five minutes with me, you know that I love the game of basketball. Um, you also know, know I love bacon. You also know <laughs> that... Um, that I love Butler basketball, but specifically basketball in the realm of coaching. I, I, I coach third grade basketball. Beards? Beards, Butler, and Bacon. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I coach third grade girls basketball, uh, not, not by choice, but because my wife made me. And, um, but I'm so thankful that she did uh, because I get to uh, mentor and coach third grade girls uh, in basketball. And we had a game last week, and we were down. We hadn't won a game all season, right? <laughs> so, so as a coach, I'm like, oh, that's frustrating. But um, during this game, we were down by six points with about seven minutes left to go in the game. And, and what I noticed that the girls were doing, they were all just kind of, instead of acting like a team, they were just kind of doing their own thing. Like you had one kind of at half court just watching what, what, what everybody was doing. You had one down... Uh, underneath the basket, uh, playing really hard defense, but not with a purpose. Um, and, um, and, and you just kind of notice this, like, whenever you watch third grade girls basketball, it's like this amoeba that just kind of forms on the court and just follows the basketball. I mean, it's hilarious. So, but I knew that if there was any chance uh, of winning, that I needed to rally the girls around something. So I called timeout and brought the girls over to the huddle. And, um, but instead of forcing my ideas on them, I just asked them. I said, hey, ladies, uh, if, wh wh what are some of your ideas? Like, how are we going to win this game? What, what are some of your ideas? And the first girl says, oh, well, if we score more points. And I'm like, well, duh. 
That's obvious. If you score more points than the other team, then you win the game. The next girl said, well, if we make better passes. I was like, yeah, another good idea. And another girl said, uh, if we play good defense. I'm like, yeah, that's another great idea. And the next girl goes, uh, if you give us ice cream afterwards. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? The, uh, yes, that's another good idea. But all seven girls had a different idea about how we're going to win this game, right? And, I just, and, and it just struck me in that moment. And I'm like, man, that's kind of funny. And I said, ladies, can I tell you something? I said, what I notice here is that all of us have really good ideas on how to win this game, but we don't have the same idea. We don't have the same identity on how to win this game. Like, like, we're not together on the same page. And I said, so what is something we can gather around to win this game? What is a common goal that we can focus on? What is a focus area that we can implement on the basketball court? And they all just kind of were like, oh, um, I don't know. And so I said, ladies, what have I been talking about since the beginning of the season? What? is our main focus every time we step onto the court. And in unison, all seven girls go, defense! And I'm like, yes, defense! And I, as, as sure as I'm sitting here, those girls went out, locked that team down. We went on a run and won the game by one point in overtime. And, and I, and so whenever, it, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Um, so we proclaim this good news today that in the kingdom, love is our rallying cry. Love is our identity. Love is what we can gather around and orient our hearts to. Friends, today we have a new identity, one that is imperishable, one that we can rally around, one that orients us, one that sustains us. One that rejects violence just to get what we want. One that refuses to segregate and separate based on ethnicity, based on whether you have tattoos or not, whether or not you have a certain level of income, whether you have a certain ability, right? Right now, we are people who love deeply, and Jesus invites us to live out that identity. So, hey, sermon's over. Take up the offering. Let's go, right? Like, that was good, right? That was awesome. That's good. That's good. <laughs> no, uh, I have to preach for 20 minutes. No, um, <laughs> no, but, um, but I tell you, this, this is so hard to live out, right? It is so hard not to be influenced by our culture, by our current culture, but even from past pressures of, of how, we, how we grew up or what we were taught. Like, I... Uh, I'll just speak for myself. Like, I have sometimes very little imagination on how love looks like uh, uh, living in the Western world. Because a lot of times it just looks like me wanting to satisfy my desires. Just get what I want, right? Um, so our identity gets shaped by either how we feel or even our past experiences. And Peter talks about this in uh, chapter 17 and chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 17 and verse 18 of chapter one. In verse 17, he says, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge you, judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him 
during your time here as temporary residents. You see, friends, we get caught up in things of this world without being conscious of God's goodness. We, we kind of give ourselves over to our feelings and our actions are just responses to how we feel. And Peter knew this, so Peter just told his readers, live in reverent fear of God. Now, fearing God is not about cowering down whenever we think about him. It's about allowing our feelings to be subject to his authority. Fearing God is becoming aware of our motives and feelings in light of God's holiness. Fearing God is becoming aware of our motives and our feelings in light of God's holiness and then subjecting those to his authority. In verse 18, the next thing, uh, as far as past experiences, in verse 18, Peter talks about an empty life handed down uh, by our ancestors. And these are some things from our past that shape our identity or that have had influence on our, on our ideas of love. Um, so quick story, anybody have ancestors? Yeah, if you're a mammal, if you're a mammal, you have ancestors, okay? So I don't know why you guys didn't raise your hands. Uh, either you're not listening or you're an alien. Try it again, try it again. So let me tell you about one of my ancestors. Uh, it was, it's my great-grandfather on my dad's side, and, and my dad tells, always tells me this story um, because my dad loves telling stories, um, uh, if you didn't know that. Um, but my great-grandfather was a farmer, right? And as my dad would call him, a southern Hoosier hillbilly. <laughs> but he was a farmer, and every morning before they would go on the farm, they would, they would wake up, and they, they would cook this giant breakfast, and this breakfast would include bacon. This breakfast would include eggs. It would include toast. Well, that, that's great, but what's interesting is what would happen after everybody would eat this bacon and eggs and before they would go out. My great-grandfather had this tradition of um, he would take two uh, slices of bread, go over to the stove. He would walk over there and put the slices of bread in the skillet where the bacon had been fried. And he would take those pieces of bread, lay it in the bacon grease, take those pieces of bread, flip those pieces of bread over, and, lay the, and continue to let the, let the two slices of bread soak in the bacon grease. And then he would carefully, because bacon soaked, or bread with, soaked in bacon grease is easily, uh, like you can, it can easily tear, so he would er, ever so carefully pull them out of the pan and put them onto a plate and eat this bacon grease soaked bread. Ugh. <laughs> like, I mean, ugh. Like, I, I even saw your bodies go, oh, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Ben. And Ben's like, give me some of that. <laughs> yeah, preach. Um. Now, now, although, like, I, uh, I can get, like, as much as I am tempted to try this, like, bacon-greased soaked bread, because I love bacon and I love bread, and I might or might not love the grease that comes out of bacon, so, like, why not just combine it and eat it? I don't have to choose that tradition that my grandfather had practiced for years, and that my father tried to pass along to me. 
I don't have to live that out. I could have let that way of living influence my morning breakfast routine today. But I know that I can live a new way, a healthier way, a more sustainable way. My, <laughs> my value now no longer comes from practicing the ways that my ancestor, that my great-grandfather did. Are you hearing this? What practices or beliefs that have been passed along to you are you still holding on to? What do you still believe is true? And, how, and what happens whenever you subject those to the authority of Jesus? What influences from your family have defined your version of love? Church, there is good news right now today that when we are tempted by old ways of living, that we can live into a new identity and a new way of love. But how do we, how do we live this out in this culture, right? Like, we want answers. I mean, we got to have answers to this. Come on, preacher. Got to have answers. Um, well, I, I don't have answers besides, well, you just, you know, live in community and then you just kind of figure it out. But, um, but I know that that's not sufficient. So uh, I'm, I'm going to try the best that I can on uh, describing how this plays out a little bit. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he said, at the, at the second half of uh, verse 2 in chapter 5, he said, Jesus didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Let me say that again. Jesus did not love in order to get something from us or get something out of us, but to give everything of himself to us. Um, Dallas Willard, this is how Dallas Willard describes it. Uh, Dallas Willard is an uh, author and, and a, um, he was a theologian um, of his time. He said, love is not a desire. It, to, it is to will the good of others. Love is not something that you get from people. It is something that you will for people. You get that? You see, friends, love is not what you choose to do, but how you choose to be within community. In the church, love is no longer an Instagram post of an idea. Love is an identity. Love is no longer an idea, but love is an identity. So how does that work out? Uh, how does that play out in my life? Um, well, for me, uh, this, uh, yeah. for me, um, if, I, if I don't feel like I'm being helpful to people, uh, it's a very shameful experience for me. So even the, the, the practice of preaching is sometimes a very shameful experience for me. And here's why. This is what happened to me this week. I, I'm, I'm reading through 1 Peter uh, in this, this uh, section of text. And in my mind, I'm going, what, what in the world? How, how am I going to pull good news out of this and proclaim that to people you know, on Sunday morning? Because in the context back in that day, like, Peter was talking to Christians that were going to be oppressed and kind of pushed to the margins of society, right? So what's, but like 
people in our day, people that might be sitting in this room, like, we're not pushed to the margins of society. We can gather freely. Our government allows us to do so, right? So I felt the shame. I felt the pressure of, I, fe I felt the pressure of like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I was living into this identity of like, I'm not enough. <laughs> I can't do this. So, but because of our community, because we have a new identity as a community, I can choose to live differently. I can choose to live into that identity. I don't have to choose to say, I'm not enough. I can't do this. I can't preach in front of you guys. So here's what I practically did. This is what it practically looks like. Uh, I called a friend. I called a couple friends, but uh, one in particular, um, and, and, and I, I just asked her. I said, I'm, I'm having a really hard time, like, with this text. Like, what, what, is this, what is this saying? Like, what do you feel like this text is saying? <laughs> and, and I'm sitting at my dining room table, and I remember that, like, my posture was, like, really tense. And she goes, and she said, well, uh, here's, here's what I'm sensing from this text is Peter is just telling the Christians of that day to, to remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are a people that deeply love one another. And my body just went, oh, yes. I, I am a person that's deeply loved. Like, I, I don't have to embody the pressure and the shame of not feeling like I'm being helpful. Because this is like preaching. <laughs> preaching is not an event. It's a proclamation. It's a participation of all believers using all of our gifts. And that's good news for me that I don't have to bring this identity or, or, or form this whatever it is inside of me, that I can share and participate in an identity of all believers, of all of us sitting in this room. And that's good news for me. So together, we can proclaim and we can remember who we are as a church. We can remember who we are. We are people that love, deeply love one another, and who are deeply loved. So church, how do you want to respond? Because this new identity in Jesus, because of what happened uh, at Easter, and, and we're continuing the Caesar, uh, the Caesar, we're, <laughs> no, Caesar. I was saying Easter, I was trying to say Easter, Easter tide, but the, the words got jumbled up. But um, so how do we live this new identity um, during this season of Easter? Because what Jesus did on the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus, changed everything. It changes our identity in Christ, changes how we discipline our children, how we perform at band gigs. It changes how we preach. It changes how we interact with our friends at school. <laughs> it changes how you view your physical ailments. Um, and for those of us who might listen later, it changes how we run our lipstick business, <laughs> right? It changes everything. So church, let's remember who we are. The good news today is that when we are tempted by old ways of living, 
when we are tempted by old ways of living, we can live into, Jesus invites us to live into a new identity and a new way to love. So let's remember who we are. Um, in, in your bulletin, there's a, uh, there's a sentence there. Um, and this is just something that we practice as a church, as a response to the good news that we've heard today of a, ni- of a new identity. And it says, Father, today as I'm tempted to find my identity in blank, I look to you to live a new resurrection identity. So let's just take a few moments of silence and I'll, um, I'll, I'll kick things off.